Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that talks about the kind of stuff that seems important until you discover girls, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. <laughs> Patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and I'm totally butt crazy in love with his co-hosting skills. It's Andrew Ormsby. <laughs> and each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, Alvin, if you don't mind putting uh, Andrew back on the line, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I had to step away for a minute. Hey, everybody! Uh, it's good. It's good. Hey, listen. If you got one of the chipmunks there, you might as might as well put them on, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that, that has been the the uh, the unexpected uh, pleasantry of having to record separately. Is all of a sudden you're using uh, you know voice effects uh, on yeah. your voice, so. <laughs> I mean, how you just give me an idea? How many uh, voice effects do we have uh, to run through before you run out of them? Oh, oh, we won't. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. I think I have uh, fifty. Wow. So, uh, so unless we're here for the rest of the year doing this, oh man. And then I can also like uh, alter them a little bit. So let's let's hope not. Let's hope not. Yeah. Uh, let's let's hope yeah. things clear up uh, sooner than that. Hope everybody is well <laughs> and doing okay, staying home, flattening the curve, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, hopefully, it won't be too long before we'll be able to to. I was going to say get back to normal life, but I mean, it's really isn't it more kind of seeing what the new normal life is like? Don't you think? I like, was about to, some things I are going to change. About to say, yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, the quote unquote normal that we used to know is going to be of a bygone era sort of thing. Uh, at least pieces of it. Yeah, it really feels like this is the kind of thing that's going to change some things, uh, including possibly some of the ways that we interact with movies. And you know, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But uh, I can really see, especially if this continues to go further and longer, or if there continue to be you know multiple um, you know waves of this kind of thing where everybody has to stay in again, flatten the curve again, you know, that kind of thing, uh, that things could, uh, things could be a little bit different as far as 
you know, studios figuring out which movies they want in theaters, which ones they want to do immediate digital releases on their platforms, you know, all that kind of stuff could, could really change. So could be, could be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, fascinating in an unfortunate way, but yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. That is true. Um, exciting is probably the wrong word. I know that's not what you meant, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I find uh, things fascinating whether they are positive or negative. I think negative things can be fascinating. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I use that word all the time anyway. Yeah. Uh, Speaking right. of us not being able to go to movie theaters, uh, why don't you tell everybody the new format of the show? Yeah, so what we're doing now is we are doing the uh, Sift Shame, where we will force each other to watch a movie from our list of shame, and we will review it together. Now, um, we are picking these each week, so we'll pick next week's uh, today. And last week, we chose coming-of-age films. Uh, Andrew chose Stand By Me for me to watch that I've never seen. Uh, before on my list of shame, and uh, I chose Clueless for him. Actually, you went kind of back and forth between, what was it, 10 Things I Hate About You that you haven't seen as well? Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, But we ended up landing on Clueless, and so we're going to review those movies and then choose the movies for next week. Now, if there is something on your list of shame that you are taking time while you are in uh, self-isolation to watch. Um, I would love to hear about it. So if you want to email us, feedback at sifpop.com, connect on Twitter, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are always open. That's at Aaron Dicer. I would love to hear the movies that you're catching up on, and we can kind of have a segment where, you know, we talk about the the classic movies that are, you know, our listeners have been catching up on as well, because I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, to kind of hear what you're you're doing as well, or if you have thoughts on the movies we're talking about, you know, we'd love to hear that too. Really, any kind of feedback would be great. So, uh, oh, yeah. so wanted to let you know about that. Um, and really, honestly, there's not a lot going on in the entertainment industry to really talk about news wise. So we just kind of do that. We review those movies, pick the ones for uh, next week, and then we do a little bit of um, buried treasure uh, as well. Uh, just so you can kind of keep up on other things maybe we're watching uh, and want to let you know about. Did I cover everything, Andrew? I think so, yeah. Well, good. Good. Um, I think we're good. All right. Uh, do you, who wants to go first? That's a great question. Do you remember who went first last time? Did we do- I think you went first last time because you uh, did uh, Full Metal Jacket first. All right. Well, then let's have you <clears throat> go first, and let's talk a little bit about Clueless. Cher's got attitude about high school boys. It's a personal choice every woman has got to make for themselves. Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Shallow, rich, and socially successful Cher is at the top of her Beverly Hills High School's pecking scale. Seeing herself as a matchmaker, Cher first coaxes two teachers into dating each other 
Emboldened by her success, she decides to give hopelessly klutzy new student Ty a makeover. When Ty becomes more popular than she is, Cher realizes that her disapproving ex-stepbrother was right about how misguided she was and falls for him. Now, I will also say, because these are older movies and many, many people have seen them, we are not going to worry about spoilers at all. So we will be spoiling Clueless and Stand By Me during this episode. Uh, if you want to see them without spoilers, you can, although I kind of feel like when we're doing lists of shame, lots of times the spoilers are already kind of in the pop culture consciousness as well. Like there's stuff I knew from Stand By Me, even though I'd never really seen the movie all the way through, you know, yeah. it's kind of hard for, you know, for a movie not to be spoiled on you when it's been out for several decades, right? It's kind of one of those yeah, things. That, and also, uh, the previous week, you know, we're listing which movie we're going to be watching, so it kind of gives people, you know, a week if they want to be on this journey with us, you know, it gives them a chance to watch the movies as well. That's a great point. Uh, Clueless came out in 1995. Uh, I was in college at the time. Andrew, I believe you were probably in middle school, is that right? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, it was PG-13. It is based on um, the novel Emma, uh, and which is interesting because I just saw the 2020 movie Emma, which is obviously the same story in a very different era. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Just yeah, a just, couple hundred years. <laughs> just, it's just a tad difference in timeline. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that the movie made a big deal about that fact. It just kind of rewrote that story for kind of the modern mid-90s uh, L.A. high school kind of thing. Uh, it stars Alicia Silverstone as Cher, and then you've got uh, Brittany Murphy in there, the late Brittany Murphy uh, in there as Ty, and baby Paul Rudd showing up as uh, the ex-stepbrother. Um, so, so yeah, what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I think it's just okay. Yeah, I a little think, a little on the lower side of just okay. Yeah, I think I like it more than you. Although I don't love this movie like some people yeah. do. Um, I know for my sister, when she found out we were doing this one, she was very excited because like this was her life in the mid '90s. She not, I mean, this movie wasn't her. I mean, watching this movie was like something she she really loved. Yeah. Uh, I was no going to say, Aaron, you grew up in Beverly Hills. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons, I guess we can start there. That's one of the reasons the movie has never really connected with me. And I've talked about this with modern movies, too, that have like big parties and different, like, I just, I don't know this world. I don't understand this world. High school students were not like this when I was in high school. Um, the only thing that I relate to are kind of the the click idea. Certainly there were clicks when I was in high school. The idea of, you know, who the the jocks were or who maybe the... Um, you know, the overachievers, the academics, you know, those kind of things are drama club and, you know, like there were groupings, but, you know, just how, um, you know, I, again, it may just be the way I grew up, but just the, the partying and, you know, the, uh, the talking about sex and all that kind of stuff. I was just like, that was just not part of my high school life. Like I just didn't, it just wasn't there. So it's, it's always a little weird for me. And this movie kind of suffers you know, for that for me as well. Um, what was it for you? You want to talk about stuff maybe you liked about it first? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say, though, as much as I think the movie is just a little under okay, I think everybody in this movie is perfectly cast for their respective roles. And it's just fun seeing people uh, kind of bloom into who you'd know them 
beyond, you know, like Alicia Silverstone and, and Brittany Murphy and Paul Rudd, but you also have people like Stacey Dash, who I had a huge crush on growing up. Yeah. But you got Donald Faison and uh, Brecken Meyer in this. Yep. It's like, oh, like, hey, that's Turk. I didn't know Turk was in this movie. <laughs> it's just fun stuff like that. Um, uh, I think my biggest pro for the movie, though, is that this film is so unapologetically 90s. Oh, yeah, that for I sure. I absolutely love it. Like, this is just, hey, memory lane. You know, it's so fun seeing all that stuff. Yeah. Because the ridiculous clothing, the, uh, the way people talk, like saying things like, fresh and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that you're like oh it's not cringy but it, it's 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 fun you know yeah it, it's and it's also interesting because i think this movie i mean a lot of the 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 phrases and you know things that that are in the movie were probably going on in la but not necessarily in the rest of the world you tend to forget 20 years ago 25 years ago when this came out culture moved a little bit slower you know the the internet was certainly a thing but it was a baby thing and so it was it was kind of like stuff would happen in the big cities and then it would kind of move its way to the middle of america you know so a lot of these phrases became popular phrases because of this movie um and lots of times that's um you know like the 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 whole as if you know kind of thing yeah um which you know I think Wayne's World is another place that that's very prominent. Uh, oh yeah, so another great example of a '90s movie that just has stood, I think, way better stood the test of time. Maybe because it's so meta. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I just think it's uh it's really interesting to to kind of go back there and and kind of try to remember that that a lot of this stuff was just like, I can't believe they're talking like this. And then all of a sudden everybody was talking like this. At least that was kind of my experience. Um, no, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, it, I think the, I think the movie was not made for the Valley girls. You know, I think the movie was made for the rest of the world to get a, uh, you know, an insight into what this lifestyle is like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to a, uh, a comedic extent, you know, everything is uh, turned up to 11 with, like, how bad of a driver they all are and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and a lot of a lot of the jokes work. A lot of them don't, or maybe don't anymore. There's a whole running gag in this movie about plastic surgery with the girls at the school all having, like, you know, bandages on their noses and chins. And this, this is, like, all in the background. I don't even... You know, unless I mean, it yeah. it seemed really prominent to me, but I'm just going like that's just I, I don't know. It's just not funny. <laughs> it's like, but I get <laughs> at the time it was meant to be like this is how this society is, you know, so uh, you know different or weird or or whatever. I don't know. I just that kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't quite vibing with it uh, in that way. No, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's it's just one of those things where as movies age, you know, the things that we thought were okay to talk about, they just don't age well, you know? The, uh, the One of the things I do like is, uh, first of all, as you mentioned, Alicia Silverstone is perfect for Cher. And oh, yeah. I love her debate moments. She has a couple of them. This, it's one of my favorite things because they're kind of dumb. 
but they're also kind but of they, right. <laughs> yeah, they make sense. Yes. It's like she put the minimum amount of effort into these ridiculous analogies about things. Like she turns third world problems into first world problems, but they make sense when she does it. Right. It's just stupid that she's doing it that way. Yeah. And I also like in that same class, no matter what she says, uh, Amber says she didn't do her homework, so how could I do my part? You know, that's that's her go-to get out of the uh, right the doing her work of it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, anything? Uh, what other positives uh, do you want to mention, or you can move into negatives? I think it's time to move into the negatives for me. Anyway. Okay, go for it. Uh, this movie has no stakes in it whatsoever. Uh, there's no real driving force that really captivated me. Like, I don't care who... Because I'm so uh, separated from this world, I don't care who Cher ends up with. I don't care who Ty or Dee end up with. You know, like, that doesn't... That has no bearing on my emotional, you know... uh, What would you call it? My... uh, innate desire to see resolution in this yeah. movie like your investment nothing in it is really working for me uh so the whole movie i'm just like uh i could i could it's a movie where i go yeah i could pause it here and just go and do stuff and then when i come back to it it was a movie i could definitely see like if it was on tv i would so quickly change the channel on did, did you find yourself at all interested in Cher's growth as a human being? Like, did that land with you at all? Because I think that's the point of the movie. The point of the movie is that she thinks she's got it all together and she's this great matchmaker. And then she realizes that, you know, she's selfish and self-centered and that, you know, that her stepbrother's right and that she needs to look outside of herself and actually want to help people, not just want to be seen as somebody who helps people. Maybe it's the simple fact that, and I know I'm, uh, I'm kind of grouping, you know, a, a culture together, but uh, that Valley Girl, like the the way she talks and stuff like that, uh, it it really made it difficult for me to see the growth in that character because once you hear that voice, you know, the as if, you know, because that doesn't change her her mannerisms. And the way she talks doesn't change throughout the movie. So it was difficult for me to see growth besides, like, the montage of uh, good deeds she was doing at the end. But I still saw her as the the ditzy girl. So, but, yeah, I, I do see, I see, I don't want you to think that I don't see, but I do see points in the movie where it's showing that she is trying to be a better person. But I think it's just overshadowed by her persona. Yeah, and that might be. Um, I yeah, I think that's what the movie's trying to do. Now, whether or not it's successful or not is a totally different different question. But I, you know, I mean, and again, that's because that that is the story of Emma as well. Is for her realizing that you know her matchmaking skills or or whatever um, you know aren't as important as her own personal growth. Like that's you know kind of at the heart of that story. Uh, and so that's what's going on here as well. Uh, I did want to also um, just spend a little bit of time on uh, Paul Rudd, who, you know, he, people say he looks the same, uh, you know, as he did 25 years ago. Uh, he, he looks the same. He, he kind of does. <laughs> he yeah. hasn't aged hardly at all. I mean, you can tell. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can tell somebody's older. Um, yeah. But, uh, but man, it's just, it's, it's Paul Rudd. You can also tell he hasn't quite developed his 
like the the absolute confidence of his snark, you know. And again, maybe this character—that's not what this character is, but um, you know, he's he's definitely playing more of uh, I, I want to say teen heartthrob ish kind of character, where it's just like, um, but the one that's that's more nonchalant, you know, teen heartthrob yeah. kind of thing. He did, he hadn't really polished his acting abilities at that point. He's good, but compared to the Paul Rudd you see today and that we're used to, we're like, oh yeah, you can you can pick up on where he's a little bit rusty here and there. Yeah. That does lead into my biggest con for the movie, though. Uh, Josh and Cher ending up together in this movie is weird. It's weird. I don't care what anybody says. And I looked it up because I was curious after the movie. I, I typed in on the internet, like, Josh and Cher ending up together, and like apparently there's a really huge like a group of people that just think it's weird that these step siblings end up together you know interest i never struck me never struck me once i, I really mean, well they're not related well yeah but still it's just weird like obviously i'm not from a uh a, a, a step family or anything right. like that but it would just i i i was uh I, I would still see that other person as a sibling first and that just that just makes it too weird to kind of picture, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess there are, I think there are plenty of stories, and not even about step-siblings, but about people who uh, exist in a uh, platonic or even antagonistic relationship that one day realize, oh, you know, this person has a quality I didn't really recognize, or, you know, like, it's just, I don't Oh, yeah, that trope is in uh, every rom-com throughout the test of time. You yeah. Know? But it's just the fact that it's these two specifically. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm on board for this. <laughs> so some the like, you got a little uh, of that uh, psychological incest baggage where it's like, I know they're not actually brother and sister, but they they call each other yeah. brother and sister in law or exactly. step, not in law. That's different. <laughs> yeah, that's that's different. Although that probably would be a, a bad relationship to start up too with uh, sister in law or brother in law. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's probably asking for trouble. Uh, so also good to see Wally Sean. Always good to see Wally Sean in something. Oh, yeah, you gotta love Wally Sean. He's Shawn. a lot of fun. Inconceivable. And, uh, Dan Hedaya as the dad, uh, I thought was, was, uh, fun as well. Um, but his, he's always that, um, that stern comedic, mm-hmm. you know, parental figure. And he just, he plays it so well. I know he's like typecast for that, but he's really good in it. And that just goes back to everybody in this movie being perfectly cast. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Brittany Murphy's super thick uh, New Yorkish accent, you know, mm-hmm. it was it was just real cute seeing her in that role uh, as this uh, new kid in school, and then she gets to find herself in this new area. You know, it's when she when she is on the couch and singing the uh, the Mentos theme song. It was one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. Yes, no, totally, and. We do want to kind of keep it to the movie, but I do want to mention like the weirdness and mystery around her passing. I think her and her uh, either fiance or husband, I can't remember, uh, passed away uh, at the same time. And it's kind of one of those unsolved mystery kind of things. There are official things and the family has said other things. And man, that's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Um, You know, Stacy is Stacy Dash, right? Is uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, been a lot of, um, you know, stuff about her political, you know, views and career in the last, you know, decade. And so it's kind of interesting that 
people from this movie uh, who didn't necessarily become, you know, acting stars after this movie, but have remained in the pop culture consciousness. That's something we we kind of know more now with the internet, but I think we were kind of seeing the the budding of that, you know, happening in, in things like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting thing to talk about. I, uh, my favorite, uh, you want to hear my favorite part of the movie? Yes. Uh, Travis, uh, which is, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, Breck and Meyer. Yeah. Breck and So Breck and gets up, uh, to give his award speech for most tardies. <laughs> I love that scene so much. He's like, I couldn't so have done great. it without the McGriddle and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like. The the wonderful crew from McDonald's who spend hours making those egg McMuffins, without which I might never be tardy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so great. Uh, the L.A. City bus driver who took a chance on an unknown kid and <laughs> just like <laughs> so good, so very good. Yeah. Um, there is a lot to like here. There really is. I think that's why I fall on the high side of liked it. Um, or I mean, sorry, high side of it's okay. Maybe even low side of liked it uh, is where I end up. But uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. it's not connective to me in a way that that other classic movies are, and so that's that's probably why I end up uh, lower than some. Yeah, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for me for a clueless. No, no post credit scene. No post credit scene. <laughs> you ready to move on to stand by me? Let's do it. All right, stand by me. Oh my God! I want to see a dead kid. Maybe it shouldn't be a party. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my glory. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? I'll kill you, I swear to God. After learning that a stranger has been accidentally killed near their rural homes, four Oregon boys decide to go see the body on the way. Gordy Lachance, Vern Tessio, Chris Chambers, and Teddy Duchamp uh, encounter a mean junk man in a marsh full of leeches as they also learn more about one another in their very different home lives. Just a lark at first, the boys' adventure evolves into a defining event in their lives uh this of course based on a stephen king short story it wasn't a novel the body yeah short story called uh the body and uh it was directed by rob reiner uh who was on a string of uh great uh movies there in the 80s this came out in 1986 um so string of movies that are all very different from yeah yeah reiner's done some good stuff uh, so this was 1986. I would have been, what, uh, 11 around when this came out? So probably right around the age of these boys. Uh, so uh, you would have been a little bit younger than that. Um, yeah, what, I would have been born. You know, one thing we didn't do with Clueless, and I forgot to totally forgot to follow the format. I should write this down. Um, uh, but we forgot to do the whole, you know, why didn't you see it? Uh, you know, when was oh, the first time yeah. you saw it? That kind of thing. So... If you'll give me the permission to alter things here a little bit uh, because of my forgetfulness, let's go back and do that for Clueless just so it's there, and then we'll get into Stand By Me. Is that all right? Yeah, it's just real quick for me. So Yeah, why didn't you Why uh, explain yourself? Why didn't you ever see Clueless? Uh, honestly, it was the uh, 
the uh, the cover art for the VHS whenever I was growing up. I'm like, oh, it's a chick flick, and I just ah. pushed it off. And and um, I never really heard, honestly, even today, I don't really hear much about it. Like, whenever you think of movies like this, uh, I think that there are way better examples of movies that do it better. Like Mean Girls. I think Mean Girls is the so much like such higher caliber of a movie mm-hmm. than clueless yeah. that deals with the same issues yeah uh i definitely saw clueless uh in high uh in college uh after it had come out probably after it was on video um and uh and yeah it was just it was it was again not one that stood out to me and so i didn't really go back to it uh i revisited it uh this past uh, couple weeks for our discussion um, because it'd been so long, and um, it was pretty much exactly like I remembered it. My opinion really didn't change on it. So, um, so there you go. There are thoughts on uh, those parts of Clueless, and we can move back into Stand by Me. Um, yes. So, so yeah. All right. So, Aaron, tell me, did you like it, love it, hate it, or it was just okay? <laughs> uh, I. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was just okay. Um, yeah, I know, I know. I clutch my pearls. I know, I know. I've been dreading this. I've been dreading this so much. I know people love this movie so much. It's got like a 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think we're gonna be dealing with this a lot, and I, I there's this psychological thing where it's hard to recapture something from, in this case. 34 years ago, right? And uh, I I will go ahead and explain why I haven't seen Stand By Me until now, uh, which is probably going to be the case with a lot of things. Uh, it was rated R, so I wasn't allowed to see it uh, when it came out. And then there was just, by the time I was you know, picking my own movies to watch and watching rated R movies, those kind of things, there's just such a backlog that I'm just kind of taking opportunities where I have them to see old things and then also watching new things. And it just was never one that was, you know, at the available at the top of that list for me. And so I never got around to seeing it. What about you, Andrew? Uh, when was the first time you saw stand by me? Oh gosh, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. I was really young. Uh, I had to have been 10, 11, something like that. Okay. Like, it, it, it goes back to one of those things where I think the uh, same thing happened last week when we were talking about Full Metal Jacket, where I saw it at such a young age, I didn't really have the capacity to appreciate what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I saw it again later on, and later on I mean like 18 or 19, that I'm like, oh wait, no, there's something great here. And uh, the whole thing with River Phoenix and uh, Will Wheaton... Will Wheaton is so insanely good in this movie. Yeah, I agree. He's so insanely good. So I'm, um, I'm guessing you're in the loved it category. Oh, I, I beyond adore this movie. I think it's so good. When's the last time you saw um, it? Uh, probably uh, about. Not gonna lie, it was probably two or three months ago. Okay. Yeah, because uh, uh, I forget the name of the the montage, but it goes back to uh. Uh, the fat kid eating the blueberry pies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what was his name? Uh, was it uh, Ba or Billy Travis? Is that who it was? Oh, I don't know. 
Oh, okay. Anyway. Oh, no, it was... I, I know his name, but I can't say it because of a... We have a censor censor <laughs> on this. It's Lard Butt Hogan, we'll just say. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, beyond the main cast, uh, this was the first time I saw John Cusack, I remember. Um, yeah, and he's barely and he, in it. I mean, he's yeah, just he's the older just brother. Yeah, he's a flashbacker. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those parts. Uh, it's one of those parts where it's like, is that John Cusack? I thought yeah. that was John Cusack. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll say before I hand it off to you is that uh, you can tell this movie is definitely a Stephen King movie because the the villain is so unapologetically evil. There's no real subtle nuance to him nope. in Keith in, inside Kiefer Sutherland's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I really do like that a lot because it, it lends itself to making that whole Stephen King multiverse more real or, yeah. uh, more cohesive, I should say, you know, part of the reason I, I wonder if, if I don't like it as mo- much as most people pr- might have to do with the fact that if I had seen this outside of my current movie knowledge context, um, I may have had a bit, been able to have a better time with it and better invest myself into it. But it all seemed so cliche to me. And so, um, but again, a lot of that is because now I know all these cliches about Stephen King and the way he writes and the things that he does. And I've seen it a million times and it's not fresh to me. And I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not interested in the Stephen King school of bullying things. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's uninteresting to me. I don't, you know, it's just, and I, you know, there's there's also nothing really going on here beside this, you know, this journey that these friends are taking. Um, I, I don't ever feel like this is another Stephen King thing. I don't feel like you get any sense of whose life is better for any reason. Um, you know, in fact, a lot of it is very sad. Uh, so there's, you know, there's 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 no grain of you know, hope or light or anything there for me to, you know, grasp onto. Um, I don't know. I just, I found it pretty dour and depressing. Uh, and I just, I maybe wasn't in the mood for that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whenever I watch the movie, I, I, I look at it and tell me if you feel the same way when you saw it, but like, um, you look at the movie and you're like, Oh, they're not better for it, but they're, they're older by the end of their journey. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Literally and, and metaphorically. Uh, yeah. I, obviously, I was leaning more towards metaphorically. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> by the end of the movie, they are. It's not memento. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, no, I think that it's if you're going to do a coming of age movie, it's. I think this is like the perfect example. Like at the beginning of this, they're kids. You know, they're talking about Lard Butt Hogan and. Uh, you know, having fun around the campfire and stuff. But then River Phoenix will, by the end of this movie, he's given real serious talks around the campfires. And then there's the standoff with Kiefer Sutherland and them. Uh, yeah, it's like they became the adult versions of who we know them as today, like Jerry O'Connell and uh, Will Wheaton and Corey Feldman. Yeah, I let me let me let me say some good things uh, first because I do have m- more negatives and more the the reasons I, I maybe didn't enjoy myself as much as I had wanted to or others would have hoped that I would have. 
Uh, because I did have some people on Twitter that were like, oh, Dicer's going to love Stand By Me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Uh, but, uh, but one of the things I really do love, uh, in this are the kids. Uh, I think they are so great together. Um, I, I bought them as uh, a group of kids that hang out and do stuff. Right. Um, and that's not easy. And a lot of that has to do with, like you mentioned, Will Wheaton is so great in this. I think River Phoenix is great in this. I think Jerry O'Connell is is great in this. I just think they're being very real. Even Corey Feldman, I just felt like, you know, these seem like real kids who are trying to find their way on their own because, you know, it's a Stephen King uh, adaptation because all the parents are absent uh, or jerks. Um, so, you know, it's it's they're, they're having to figure it out on their own. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really bought into them as a, as a group and some of my favorite moments were just the moments where they were telling stories, you know, the, the vomit story, the famous one, or, you know, whatever the case might have, might have been. Um, those were the things that, that I really did kind of lock into and enjoy about this journey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you just hit on a <clears throat> you just hit on a whole bunch of things and uh, I can see where you're coming from where we're like these are tropes now in the modern era of filmmaking but they had to originate from somewhere yeah unfortunately totally. the it's the newest one you caught and it's kind of hard to discern originality from no, trying totally. to separate that from the cliche you're seeing yeah totally um, I will say, I think Kiefer Sutherland is bad in this. I don't think he's giving a good performance. Uh, I, I didn't buy it for a second. Uh, and so that, that kind of took me out of the, the movie, uh, quite a bit. Um, this movie is so much narration that I just feel like maybe I should have just read the short story at, at points. <laughs> like Richard Dreyfuss is, you know, basically telling me so much of the story. Um, so that, that was kind of annoying to me as well. Um, and then finally, and this, this, um, this again will be similar to things I've said elsewhere. These aren't great kids like this. And I know they're abandoned by their parents and they're trying to figure it out on their own. They're shooting a gun, man. Like I, you know, the one kid jokes with his friend that the gun isn't loaded, but it's loaded and he shoots. Like, I'm just like, you know, somebody take, you know, take these kids in, do something, put them somewhere where they can learn. I don't know. I just the you know the the whole tr- the, the whole train thing was stupid. It's a great scene, but it's just dumb. I don't know. It's just what do you mean? <laughs> just just the idea. I guess like I guess I can relate more to these kids and their their lifestyle of growing up uh, to where I think it's more realistic than I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not saying that there isn't realism here for you know for some people. I'm just saying the movie. The movie has this nostalgia for it almost. Like the like the the movie seems to be like, ah yeah, the good old days where we joked about a gun that wasn't loaded and he accidentally shot a trash can. Ah it's this hilarious. You know, like I just like I don't know, the mo- the movie seems to have such a Halcyon, you know, uh you know, days of our youth kind of vibe to it, and I'm just like no, these are dangerous kids, and they need to. I get... remember shooting trash cans and stuff. I did that growing up. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I it... obviously this is. I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying like maybe that's another reason why I can relate to it. Like, oh yeah, because you know that was part of my you know childhood too. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't. I, again, I just, I, it's not something I connect to or think is like. So, okay. So here's my thing. When you look back at choices, you know, that you made, like shooting a trash can or whatever, do you, you look back and go, oh, the good old days? Or are you like, oh, man, I can't believe I survived? You know, like what, like what's the, or is it a combination of the two? Help me out. Cause I'm just, I'm not obviously, I haven't experienced a lot of this. I have a lot of both. I have a lot of, oh, man, that was fun. And I also have a lot of, oh, how am I still here? You know? Yeah. So I have both. So I can relate to, you know, sitting around a campfire and, uh, you know, just uh, talking with my friends. I'm like, oh, oh, that was the best. I, I love doing that. And then I literally also have a uh, uh, a memory of being stuck on train tracks with a train barreling towards me. Wow. So, well, then no wonder you love this movie. It's your life story, man. It is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was in a car at the moment of the train, so. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it possible maybe I was just born an adult? Is it is is that possible? I, I just, I, I, uh, I feel like such an idiot sometimes when people talk about their childhood. I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't, I never experienced that. <laughs> like, am I supposed to feel bad that I didn't experience that? Am I supposed to, like, did I not grow right? I don't know. It's this weird feeling I get every time we talk about this kind of stuff. Well, uh, on this, with the risk of sounding too philosophical with the whole thing, I think that, you know, you have a better appreciation for some of those things now. Like the things that we would... Uh, like my fond memories of like sitting around a campfire and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure you've done that with your boys and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, I just love this moment. I don't want to ever forget it. But now you also have the uh, the mental fortitude to know that it's not fun to wave around a, a possibly loaded gun <laughs> or to uh, run on train tracks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, that's, it's a, it's an interesting thing to kind of put myself in these kids position. Um, you know, I, I just feel like even at 11, if I had watched this, I'd be like, uh, these, these kids need a spanking. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a weirdo, man. I'm just such a weirdo. No. Yeah, I would have been in the mentality of, yeah, they're going to get a spanking, but it was worth it. <laughs> right, but it was worth it. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing I loved about this movie. I'm, I'm glad to finish on something uh, great. It, it may be my favorite thing about the movie. Uh, man, do I love 50s music. Oh, the music in this movie is oh. so good. Yes. Um, and obviously, I, I feel bad for those four guys. Uh, you know, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, River, River and Will. Um, but if they go... Not River, obviously, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, no matter where they go now, if that song is uh, that song comes on, everybody's just going to look to them like, that, eh, eh, that, eh, you remember? You you were in this movie. You remember that? Yeah. So that, that, that stinks for them, but... For the rest of us, ah, it's so good that music. Yeah, yeah, it's it's my favorite thing about the movie. I, I mean, it's just a new song would come on, and it'd just be like, oh, I love this song so much, and uh, and yeah, that's that's cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. Nice. Well, Aaron, I am sorry that you didn't uh, like the movie as much as everybody else, but I'm glad that you have now officially seen it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I am glad I watched it. That's, you know, it's not one that I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't have, you know, spent time catching up on this one. No, I really am glad I've seen it. I see what people love about it. I do think part of the reason I don't like it 
uh, or it was just okay for me. Which, by the way, let's say that I think I've made it sound like I, I think this movie is worse than than it is. I I, I did you know have a good time with uh, like I said a lot of the chemistry, the songs, you know. The way this movie is is done is is very good. Reiner's a very talented director, um, you know all that kind of stuff. So it is a, this movie is just okay for me. Um, it's not bad. I didn't dislike it or hate it. Um, no, I think it's just more like the standard that a lot of people hold it up to. It didn't live yeah, up to that for you. Yeah, and I think this is gonna. This is just such a common thing when you're knocking stuff off your list of shame. Is oh, we're going to run into this a lot. The expectations <laughs> make it very strange, and uh, it's you just you have different eyes. I don't have my 1986 eyes. I don't, you know, I've got my 2020 eyes, and you know, I've got my 2020 vision, uh, as it were. So, um, so yeah, it's it's hard to hard to really really know what other people are feeling about a movie like this and make it your own. So I can see the yeah. talent at work. Uh, I just had a lot of issues with it that keep me from saying I liked it. So. So there you go. That's Stand By Me. Um, nice. We, we okay? Is that okay? Can can people? Can we still be friends? <laughs> Aaron, you are still one of my good friends. Oh, good. That's good. But every single time I see you from now on, I'm going to walk in singing that song. Yeah. Stand by me. Oh, stand I, And I will. And I'm going to have my Alvin uh, voice modulator on. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I will stand by you, Alvin or otherwise. <laughs> uh, all right, you ready to pick the sift shame for next week? Yeah. Um, what? Uh, do you have a theme in mind that I could go off of to kind of go through your list? Um, what if we did... Um, hmm. Well, we can do it one of two ways. The way we did it last time was you picked a movie for me to see, and then I picked the theme based on your possible movies. So um, just switch that? Yeah, there's also something we could do. Um, well, I was I was looking at it. Yeah, do you want? Okay, let's just let's just let's just do what I was saying. So, do you want me to pick one from your list and then you try to theme it with something on mine? Yeah, let's go with that. All right, all right. Um, I'm going to make you see. Uh, let's go with. Hmm. Contact. Ooh. 1997 okay. Robert Zemeckis Contact. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let me think about this then. 1997 Contact. Invent a theme. Uh, It's barely connected, but hopefully you'll give me some leeway on this. Of course. Uh, a, a space theme uh-huh. to this. You're going to see Aliens. Oh, okay. Now, I think I had messaged this to you. I've actually seen Aliens. Oh, um, okay. So it's it's on my list, but it was... I don't then mind. I have another one perfect well, for it. Well, then. here, let me say this. Let me say this. We could still do it because I just knocked it off my list of shame like within the last couple of years. So it's still kind of the same experience, and I'll watch it again if you know uh, if we want to do it that way. But if there is another one you want to go with, let's go that direction. But we can always do. Let's go with uh, the thing. Ooh, the thing. What, what, the thing is what I consider to be the scariest movie of all time. For me personally, it's not for a lot of people. I'll just say that. It just hit me at the right age to scare me beyond everything. And is it a space movie? <laughs> yeah, that's why. Okay, fair enough. There are things well, from we'll just, space in the movie. We'll, we'll say that. 
We'll just call it, let's call it loosely connected. Maybe after we watch that we can figure out what the theme is. Um, yeah. All right. So there you go. So the movies next week will be The Thing. Is that a John Carpenter movie? Is that John Carpenter's It thing? is. Yeah. So John Carpenter's The Thing and uh, Contact uh, yeah. can be the 1982 other The Thing. There are, there are several of them, so make sure you watch the 1982 one. All right. With Kurt Russell. Very nice. So that's our uh, homework for next week. And uh, and we'll get back on it, uh, do some more some more knocking stuff off of our, our list of shame. We can also, Andrew. I know we we only sent each other a few. We can also expand that as well and go further down, you know, the list if that's helpful. As far as uh, you know, stuff we haven't seen, but we've got a good list to knock off, so we'll do that. Oh yeah. Uh, before we head on to the buried treasure, just a reminder that we are so thankful for our Sif Pop members who make this possible. Um, you know, believe it or not, we did our bonus episode for our members on dental stories this uh, this week because Andrew's got some <laughs> some dental stuff going on. So we told some dental yeah. stories from our past. Had a good time doing it. Those episodes are just for our members. That starts at three bucks a month, and not only do you get the fun bonus episodes, uh, but you also get to support the amazingness that happens on the website, uh, which had a really fun. The website is starting some fun stuff. Um, this week, they're doing a franchise best list, and they're basically we're basically having the writers for Sif Pop pick their favorite movie from a certain franchise and write on it, and then vote. All the writers vote uh, on the the movies, and then they put them in the order. Uh, so that's been kind of fun. And the first one was Pixar movies this week. So if you want to see. Uh, the franchise picks for Pixar. Uh, you can check that out at sifpop.com. All that stuff is able to happen because you support us as a member at Patreon. Patreon.com slash siftpop is where to go to do that. Uh, three bucks a month is where it is. And we know times are tough for a lot of people. We never, never, never expect uh, you to give uh, if it hinders you in any way. Um, please uh, take care of the important things first. Um, and then if you want to support, you can at patreon.com slash Uh, and thank you so much to our members who do. All right, let's move on to the buried treasure. Uh, who do you want to go first, Andrew? I'll let you pick. Uh, I'll go first. Do it. Although I'm afraid that we might have the same buried treasure. We don't. Okay. I, I can almost guarantee well, it. All right, everybody. Season three of Future Man is out on Hulu. Wait, now, now see, now I feel like an idiot. That is my buried treasure. I th- really? No, I didn't think that would... How... You you love Future Man? How, we've talked about this before. We probably how I have. Gen- I genuinely consider it to be one of the funniest shows ever written. It's it's amazing. Um, I, I can pick another one. We can talk about it for yours, because uh, I have been watching plenty of stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, go ahead, man. You know, build up Future Man, and then I'll say some things as well. Oh, man. That cast, Josh Hutcherson, especially in this final season, it is the final season, right? Yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. It all wraps up. It Um, has, by the way, it has the best finale conclusion uh, I may have ever seen. It may be my favorite series finale ever. Really? I'm I'm, I'm two episodes away from finishing it. Oh, then I won't spoil it for you, but the way this ends is so good. So funny. Uh, it yeah. is It is just, it's perfect. So, for those of you who don't know what this uh, show is about, Future Man is about a young uh, guy played by Josh Hutcherson, who, I guess I have to start in season one, because everything after that is just so <laughs> crazy. Uh, he he uh, He's the first person in the world to 
beat this specific video game. And it turns out that that video game was sent from the future uh, by this group of, like, uh, underground rebels to fight off uh, a kind of Terminator-like dystopian future. And they were hoping whoever beat the video game was going to be a great warrior or something. But he's just a guy who's a, who's a janitor at this uh, corporation. And there are some time uh, things that go on that are just so ridiculous. It's, it's so funny. It's so well acted. I love everybody in it so much. And here is the best part about this show, besides it being incredibly funny. The way this show deals with time and the ramifications of messing with time not only is this show super funny this show is super smart this show is brilliant when it comes to how uh the a butterfly effect or anything like that has you know ramifications down you know the centuries and stuff like that it's super fun yep I agree with all of that. Uh, I have described it to people as a live action uh, Rick and Morty mixed with a parody. Um, yeah. Uh, it is uh, It is that kind of crazy humor uh, smashed together with intellectual, um, you know, uh, I want to say philosophy. It's not philosophy, but theory, like time theory, those kind of things. Um, it definitely is the priority is the comedy. The priority is not, you know, the sci-fi or the, you know, that kind of stuff. But they still do great with that stuff. And it's just, here's the, th I also should, uh, you know, give the uh, typical uh, warning that this is on Hulu and all the governors are off uh, as far as oh, yeah. the content that they're willing to talk about. And <laughs> all the governors all are the, off. Like, this, is, this is one of the, uh, the filthiest shows on TV as far as yeah. the, but again, it's it's definitely with the comedy in mind. It's not you know it's not necessarily even trying. Th this is what I've often said about shock humor: um, is that if it's just shock humor, that's not funny to me. But if it's smart too, if it's clever, like if the the humor is the the point and the shock is just the delivery device, then I'm much more apt to be enjoying myself and you know having a good time. And I think this this show does that over and over again. You have to give props not only to Josh uh, Hutcherson, but Derek Wilson and Eliza Coop for... Uh, I was just about to say, they are Wolf is one of my favorite characters of oh, any TV show ever. Oh, it's incredible. Um, Haley Joel Osment was uh, on this show for a hot second. Uh, he, yeah. was, he was a lot of fun. Um, so I, I just, what this show is willing to do and what it gets away with and how well it gets away with it is kind of mind blowing to me. And, uh, this, this was introduced to me by a friend who said, Hey, you might enjoy the humor in this. Uh, and I, I was hooked from, you know, the first episode. So, and it's, even though there are three seasons, if you've never watched this, the three seasons on Hulu will go by in a flash because the episodes are like, you know, 30 minutes long kind of thing. And there's only what, like 10 a season. There may only be, I can't remember. There may only be like six or eight this last season. Um, there are eight. Yeah. So eight episodes in the final season. Second season, I think had 13 and uh, the first season uh, also had 13 so you know 34 episodes half an hour each that'll go by pretty quickly and i think you'll you'll have a great time again for discerning adults obviously but um but man this this show is funny Whew, man 
Yeah. It's just it's just willing. I, I just it's willing to do things, and I'm just like, how do you, how are you getting away with this? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's the uh, the South Park mentality. Yes. Like, how yeah. has South Park been doing this for so long and getting away with it? There, <laughs> the references they make to uh, historical figures, recent and uh, uh, yeah. you know very like. Wow, you're you're willing to go there, and you're going to deal with that. Well, okay? let, let me let me just say, uh, if if you're going to be offended by anything, like if offense is something that you will take at something, just be ready to be offended. Like it's just, oh, it, yeah. it, it will it will find a way to offend you, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, sacrilege, whether it be, uh, you know, sexual deviancy, whether it be, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, you know. Um, uh, profanity, whatever the the way you might be offended, this will find a way to offend you. So yeah, blatant, uh, full frontal nudity. Yeah, no, and it and it will it not only finds a way to offend you, but it's like it's obviously so unconcerned with your offense. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like we're trying to make people laugh right now, and uh, we don't have we don't have time for for your silly rules, humans. Uh, so yeah, it's it's um it's an interesting one for sure. Nice. Yeah, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. No, you were right. I was, I was wrong. I forgot that you're a fan of the show too. I I was so certain that 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 I that Future Man would have only been mine. But no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, that. Well, I'm sorry to steal it from you. Did you Did you have time to think of something else? Oh, sure. Can... No, 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 no. Okay. I've I've got plenty of stuff. Um, because I I really have been pouring through some stuff. Because you know what else are you gonna do? Um and uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to movies every week anymore. Uh so I just watch stuff at home. Um I'm going to talk about uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um because I am binging all 10 seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasms and uh I am about halfway through. I'm about to the end of season 5. And this is fascinating to me because What's your what's your experience, Andrew? Do you watch the show? Have you ever watched the show? I have not watched that show, but I've watched Seinfeld, so <laughs> yeah. I know that's not a very that's that's the closest I've ever gotten to curb your enthusiasm. Well, here's here's one of the and I'll start here since you mentioned Seinfeld. Obviously, Larry David, who co-creator of Seinfeld, uh, who a lot of the plots in Seinfeld are you know based from kind of his own experiences, those kind of things. The character of Jason Alexander character, um, whose name is slipping, it's um, Costanza. George. Yeah, George Costanza is, is subtly based on Larry David. You know, that's kind of the Larry David character of the show. Um, so he had, uh, I think in 2000, he started a show on HBO called Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's basically a real life uh, kind of meets fiction improv show for him. Um, and what you discover as you watch this, and, and the reason I say improv, I probably should uh, say it a little bit differently. I just mean it's not scripted. Uh, the plots are written, but then the actors, I think, just kind of work their way through them. Similar to, uh, you know, Best in Show, something like that, except not nearly as you know polished as the improv actors there are. Um, so one thing you start to realize very quickly is how much of Seinfeld was based on his sense of humor, because these things that he is getting involved in are very Seinfeldian. In fact, you watch them and you're like, oh, I absolutely see how this could have been a Seinfeld episode. It would have been different because they would have written everything and it would have gone a little bit differently. It would have been a little bit tighter. 
Um, but it, more family oriented. More, yes, more family oriented, or at least family friendly, uh, as the as the yeah. saying is. Oh well, yeah, I guess that's what I should have said. Family friendly. Um, and you know, it's it's just. I wasn't ready for how Seinfeld the show was going to be. And i that's a good thing. Seinfeld is a very funny show. And it's obvious Larry David's mind works in some very interesting ways. You talk about not aging well. That's another part of, of this show that's really interesting to look at is, and I'm not saying anything that Larry David does or says in these episodes is, you know, uh, overtly unacceptable now. It's just that you wouldn't do it in the same way now. You could kind of make, you could kind of hint around it at a different way. Um, but just some of the, uh, some of the political, I'm going to say the word political correctness. I know that has a lot of baggage to it as a word, but it's obvious that as a society, we have become more politically correct. We have become more um, aware of how the words we use might hurt somebody else or something like that. And this show, especially as it started out, these first five seasons that I've watched, uh, you know, is not as, it's not 2020. It's not as aware of those things. Um, so that's been now. A, is it the show's not aware, or is it the character slash persona of an old man slash Larry David just refuses to you know change with the times? Some of column A, some of column B. I would say mostly the second, and that's the distinction I want to make. It is mostly that you know the character is uh, out of touch with, uh, you know, what he's doing and how he's offending people or those kind of things. But the show itself also makes some points that I think in 2020 we'd go, ah, yeah, it's a little insensitive. You know, like it does happen a case, uh, occasionally <laughs> as well. Um, so, so yeah, and that goes for, you know, uh, racial insensitivity, uh, insensitivity towards the disabled. Um, you know, like there's... Um, there's uh, some of the stuff that happens with a friend of his that's blind, a friend of his that's in a wheelchair. Uh, there's some kid stuff, some pet stuff. Like it's it's this this show we talk about. Future man, you know, is going to offend you. Uh, this show, in a different way, you know, may do something similar. May be kind of one of those. Um, it, it, I think it's the cringe aspect of it, right? Which a lot of people love. You know, mm -hmm. The Office is is primarily successful as a cringe kind of show in many ways. Um, so, so yeah, so there's that part of it that's interesting. And then there are all the hindsight cameos is what I call them, where you go watch something that's, you know, 20 years old and you're seeing people from 20 years ago that were not famous then just in these little bit parts. And this happens all the time on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, the most recent example, the episode I watched yesterday, um, 23 year old Zachary Levi shows up. Just as a bellhop in a hotel, huh. and it, and it's just like this little baby Zach Levi, this little baby Zach Levi, you know, just that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, and that's all throughout this. Uh, and and sometimes it's people you have to like. For me, I have to research and go, okay, wait, were they famous yet? And usually the answers, you know, no uh, to the ones that I'm questioning. And so I don't know. It's been it's been interesting to see uh, that part of it as well. Um, it is funny. He's got a great sense of humor. I mentioned that with the Seinfeld stuff. It's it's very funny. I, I I am very glad that I have gone back and watched this. It's a nice breezy thing to have on in the background if you're working on other stuff. It's not necessarily something you have to focus closely on. Um, you know, it's if if the improv nature of it's going to bother you, you know, don't just don't watch it because that is the show. It it really it feels in many ways uh, very unpolished. And so if that's going to be annoying to you, um, that's a warning. 
for that. For me, I just, you know, I've, I've kind of been enjoying myself, both for the more interesting reasons and then also just for the comedy itself. It's really funny. Oh, awesome, man. I'm so glad uh, you finally jumped into it. Maybe I should do it, too. Yeah. There's, there's only a lot like of... 100 episodes out right now. <laughs> it's funny, a show that's been going on since 2000 because they had such a long, you know, hiatus that it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, there's only, you know, 100 episodes. Yeah, it's 10 seasons of 10 episodes each, and they're, you know, less than 30 minutes each. So it, it didn't seem too daunting to me. It seemed a lot less daunting than trying to watch The Sopranos. So, and oh god, I and these these days I'm you know I I'm looking for reasons to laugh. I'm not looking for reasons you know to get serious. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. So that's well. I have a feeling that as soon as I'm done with Future Man, I'm just going to start it over. So <laughs> just keep watching Future Man on a loop. Yeah. Which would be ironic considering that show and some of the things that have happened in that show. Exactly. Uh, th- that you would continue to watch it over and over. And that's just a little bit of a hint without spoiling anything. Uh, all right, we did it, man. We, we managed to do another uh, COVID-19 era podcast. Um, yeah. So, well done. Um, you can't stop us, COVID. And again, uh, best well, to you... Well, it could. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, it hasn't yet. Uh, best yeah. to you and your loved ones. We hope you're safe. We hope you're staying put. We uh, hope you're healthy. Um, yes. we're all doing our best and, uh, and we will, uh, we'll catch you next week. Yep. Aaron, you have your homework. Oh yes. Yes. The homework is, uh, the John Carpenter's the thing and Andrew's homework, uh, is contact. And then we will discuss yes. them next week. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for putting the show together. Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and you get access to every single bonus episode, as well as some other fun perks. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash sifpop to find out more. There are lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, you can rate or uh, leave a review at Apple Podcasts. That really does help us out. Or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it. And that listening is much easier than outrunning a train. We will be back uh, next week with those aforementioned um, uh, Sift Shame uh, movies to go over, and we'll see you then. 